0: Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from Just One Pound, and by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to Living History UK podcast, and I'm your presenter today, Danny Reese, and we're now having another one of my famous collector's corners. I know it's been a while since we had one, and we had uh, the joys of Mick Atkinson and anything to do with, the, uh, with Napoleon, I know the film's coming out soon, so we'll probably get Mick back on again. So I think since the last time we chatted to Mick, he's now bought Napoleon's napkin and bedding, so uh, that's going to be an interesting one to speak. But today I'm joined by someone who's actually got a very personal connection, the man who actually married me and my wife, Padre Paul Roberts, and his interest in collecting all things to do with the chaplains. Firstly, Paul, welcome to Living History UK.
1: It's brilliant to be here, Danny. Really looking forward to turning up the geek factor to a, to a maximum 11 view on this. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it.
0: So, but Paul, what actually got you interested in into collecting to the, and it's purely the Royal Army chaplains... Parliament you collect.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, I suppose to take a step back. I was ordained uh, as a priest in the Church of England in 2015 and at the same time uh, was approached by Hereford and Worcester Army Cadet Force asking if I'd be interested in being one of their chaplains. And having been a reservist in the past and having an interest in, in, in military history and all things military, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm in for some of that. So I became a chaplain and well... I've been i've been collecting medals for for a long time but suddenly started to think you know what i think there's some real interesting stories to be told about um chaplains um in the first and second world war and uh, and in the intervening times as well and it was it was funny i i'd been thinking about this alongside my army cadet force chaplaincy and i saw a group of medals come up on ebay and i you, you'll have had this moment as well danny when you look at something and you think Blimey, that's scarce. I don't know much about it, but it's that there can't be many of those. What it was, it was a, a Second World War and Korea group. So, 3945 uh, war medal, defence medal, Korea medal, and then the UN Korea medal as well. On the Korea medal, was a mention in dispatches, Oakleaf. Uh, and that medal was named to a chaplain, um, a, um, a Reverend E.A. Wilde. And which, which in itself is quite funny. Um, and when I say that actually the medals were all contained in in a lady's uh, stockings box, then, um, <laughs> then then maybe he was wild by name, wild by nature. Anyway, I don't know. I wouldn't want to. Um, I wouldn't want to cast aspersions at the man of the cloth. But who knows? But I looked at this and thought, blimey, that's yeah, that's really interesting. I thought about it. It was what I thought was quite a reasonable price, uh, and in fact, I, I messaged you and said, Danny, I've seen this. And he's mentioned in dispatches. How many chaplains were mentioned
0: in dispatches in Korea and you sort of looked up you I you... we went we all sc- scurrying off into my collecting Indeed. room and pulled a, as a, those of you who are collectors out there must have a plethora of books and stuff so went off into the into the library and pulled out a, pulled out my my reference book on Korean awards, and it mm. wasn't many, was it
1: two. Two. There were <laughs> two. I thought, blimey, this is one of two. So I went back. Thought, right, I'll I'll put a bid on and let's see how it goes. And it had gone. It had disappeared. And I thought, oh, I know what's happened here. Somebody has contacted the the, the vendor and offered them a buy it now or, or what or done a deal or something like that. Oh well, never mind. So anyway, the, the following morning, I was on my way to morning prayer um, with my boss at the time uh, <laughs> over at Lugwardine. And I just absolutely waiting for her to turn up. I was just looking through eBay and there it was again with a buy it now, only about 50 quid more than I'd seen it the day before, knowing how scarce it was. um And I just, just bought it, bought it like that. I suspect that this other person had re- agreed to buy it now and I may have just snuck in before they were able to buy it themselves but who knows it's all all's fair in love war and um and, and military medal collecting I
0: think it's a thrill of the hunt I think
1: all you know, oh, of us are kit collectors
0: it is it is, is, is the yeah, especially when you're walking around like for example one of the shows like Stony or Malvern or, mm. or even what, you see something in a case or you see it on eBay and you get excited or your ping, phone pings with a notification saying something has matched your search description mm. and it's the, it's the thrill of the hunt but also I've got I win oh, it. But then we always have the joke with whenever you buy anything online, especially with metal collecting when that postman walks down your drive and you notice he's got, he's got his little bipper out and he's bipped it and the jiffy bag comes through your front door. It's like the jiffy bag dance as you go. Something else has arrived. Quick, hide it from the wife.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I can confess that that was certainly exactly what I did when the, uh, when the postman came down and, uh, and delivered that there was definitely a jiffy bag dance and the, and the news of what was in the package uh, was, was news that I was careful to only disseminate (laughs) when, uh, when was entirely appropriate. But, this this set me off really because I started looking into this and um and, and you can you can find certain amounts of information. London Gazette dates uh, this this chaplain had been commissioned. Also, because he was a Church of England man, uh, there uh, there was a, a church directory um, called Crockford's, which has all their all the details of when they were ordained and what churches they were they they worked at and all this stuff. So there's a few things I could find. But I went off a few months later. I went down to uh, the then Armed Forces Chaplaincy Centre in Amport in Wiltshire, near Andover. They've moved now; they're in they're in Shrivenham, the place called Beckett House. But I went there for my initial training. I, I'd recently been commissioned uh, into the Chaplains Department and went down for some Army Cadet Force training. It's
0: Not like SES selection, is it for Padres? You know? Well,
1: I mean, <laughs> I, I, um, I I suppose it yes, it is exactly like that, Danny. Um, uh, we uh, you know we there's, there's lots of you know tea drinking and um you know and, and, yeah and 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 biscuits um <laughs> uh, biscuit identification in the dark and all all those sort of really important um, th- ministry tools uh, that you use as a chaplain uh, no, it was it was a, it was a really good course. I was there with um, three other uh, three other army army cadet force chaplains, and one of the highlights of the of the whole um, the three day course was a trip around the museum. The uh, excellent curator there, chap called David Blake. So, and I mentioned that I'd just acquired this group of medals, and um, and he said, "Oh," I said, "Oh, oh, oh bear with me a second. So he come in, come on in. He showed me into his office, and within about three clicks, he called up this officer's tracer card. Now, a tracer card is something that... Uh, is used administratively when when any were posted to a different place they would have a line they're sort of like large oh they're
0: those... like the library file of yeah, exa- yeah exactly exactly. Yeah. Those,
1: those those sort of things quite large versions of those with a line on with a date and a posting um and courses attended photograph of the recipient as well and so within well within about 10 seconds i knew a summary of this chaplain's entire career all his postings he'd been posted to the Guards Depot to begin with and then um, during the Second World War and then to the uh, the 11th Worcestershire Regiment, which became the, the, oh, the newly kind of constituted 1st uh, Battalion of the Worcesters, which which fought in Northwest Europe in 1944-45. So it, it, I thought, oh, no, there's, there's a nice tick because I'm a Worcesters <laughs> collector as well. So I asked, that's great. And then importantly in Korea, that he was attached to the 1st Royal Norfolk Regiment. He was their Battalion Padre. Because of course, mentioned dispatches for korea he could have served in, in any sort of capacity but that the fact that he was a frontline padre of
0: course that's yeah i mean that that's that that's the yeah. ultimate really That's a, a real true test of a padre i think i be mean, on the front line as it were especially if those of you who know your history korea was probably one of the most hor- horrific conflicts mm, of the 20th mm. century other than the current war on terror but Korea, especially with the, the, when the Chinese got involved, it was a horrible conflict, especially, you know, it was basically the mud and blood of the Somme. Mm. In the Far East, with the added factor of the tropical heat and disease—that's right—and
1: extreme cold over the winter. Yes, yeah. and a, an enemy that didn't sort of play by the rules. We, you know, we were used to, um, particularly for those th- those had served in the in the Western Theatre. Uh, you know, a, a, an enemy that signed the Geneva Convention, and there were certain expectations around prisoners. Um, it was uh, it, it was it was really tough. It was really tough. The Norfolks went. A little bit after that, that initial quite hot fighting stage, if you like, they, they would all already the armistice talks. Had started so they weren't able really to to push as hard as they'd like to have done at that in that phase of the war but there was lots of patrol activities unfortunately I couldn't quite work out what he got the mentioned dispatches mm-hmm. for it was for the it was for the first six months of 1952 but looking as you do of course once you really get into something like this I was looking on um, eBay and abe books to try and find um to find the the regimental history for that period and there's there's a good history for the royal Norfolks that goes from the end of the Second World War right the way um, through to um, their amalgamation uh, with the Suffolk Regiment. And they, the regimental aid post, which is where he'd been co-located with, um, received a direct hit in, in April 1952. So um, they, the, you know, it could have been something to do with that. Who knows? But mm. certainly I was able to sort of follow this man's career all the way through. And I thought, this is the beginning of a collection for me.
0: <laughs> I think, especially within the living history community, one thing that's not... Highlighted enough is the importance of the padres mm. and other other, um, you know, religious staff as well. Cause you, to use a famous film quote from A Bridge Too Far, when they're pulling out the thumb of the cauldron at Oosterbeek, you know, the medical officers and the and the, uh, the padres will stay behind to give the Germans something to listen to, and it's something that's I think it's a lot of the time is forgotten, especially within our community, living history community, is the is the work of the, the, the religious clergy as it uh, you were. Know, uh,
1: absolutely, and of course, I think a lot of this is is. We can't help but view things through the lens of our time, um, and the importance of organised religion, church mm. parades, all those sort of things uh, have really diminished quite quite significantly. Mm. So, uh, so this idea from a living history perspective to be trying to portray that that work of the uh, work of the Padre uh, and not in any sort of sort of lampooning, you know, comedy sense. They you know, they they did a they did a lot of hard work, and. They were really, you know, a good padre was worth his weight in gold mm. because, you know, wars are fought, you know, on the physical you know on the physical level certainly but that that sort of mental and spiritual attitude you know it, it, the, those soldiers have got to know that what they're doing is right mm. and and that they have that they, they have that support and they have that listening ear and so actually yeah i mean you're portraying uh, padre's chaplains in living history you know it's, it's really it's Really important and perhaps is a slightly neglected mm. area. I, I would I would say perhaps of of living history, you know, um, reenactment.
0: It's of the times when well. I know we go to great efforts to uh, to make sure our kits are right and the foods right and our displays are right. Mm. But when you to think about the the social uh, social background of these people, they would they were going to church mm. every mm. Sunday. Mm. You know, sadly nowadays, as you know, Paul, the church congregations are getting smaller mm. and smaller. Mm. Hopefully, they'll get bigger one day, but they are getting smaller and smaller. But in the times, especially the First World War and the, and the Second World War, Sun, you went to church on Sunday. You know, that's what you did. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and and until, um, uh, until after the Second World War, church parades were compulsory. Mm. So if you had a battalion church parade, um, everybody was expected to be there. Yeah. Um, now... There was a great debate after the war, the new Labour government came in, and there was was a lot of pressure to drop that compulsory element for the church parade, and really interesting debate raged around that, because all the wartime commanders and a lot of those members of Parliament and members of the House of Lords that had seen service were really keen that that church parade continued to be compulsory. But there was um, there was a modernising element and, and perhaps a, a more secular element that, f- that felt no, you, people shouldn't be made to attend church parade. They should choose to go. That that sort of Labour government at the time um, had their had their way, and compulsory church parades were thing of the past. And then you got more sort of padre hour and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the chaplains were they were quite mixed views about whether compulsory church parades were a good idea or not. It. It did pretty much drop half and half because actually a lot of chaplains wanted to spend that more informal time with the men and not feel that they were the men were already on the back foot because they would have to go to church parade, which meant they had to pull their boots and they had to, you know, they had to turn out and look, you know, mm-hmm. look really smart um, and on what was potentially a day off for
0: them, you know. We see in Bad Lads Army, you know, those of you who are old enough to remember the TV series, Bad mm. Lads Army, the, 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 the reality TV programme, as it were, where they said, oh, you know, every church prayed on Sunday, non-believers stand at the back and face the wall yeah. but still have to be forced to listen. That's you know?
1: abs- absolutely right, absolutely right. It's one of the one of the reasons um, uh, army slang for, um, for Roman Catholics and non-conformists are left-footers because they were the ones that had to, you know, were were turned to the left and marched out, so no, they could no, have their no, I own. Didn't know that. Yep, so yeah. they could have their own church parade no. with a with a Roman Catholic padre or a nonconformist padre.
0: An interesting Roman Catholic padre. Those of you who say, oh, you obviously, or you living history events, you may see people recreating uh, padres or other religious figures, and it always seems to be, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be the most active member of the group, shall we say, the person who can't do the running around anymore. But a good example of that is two SAS, those of you know, we, we're we members of the, the group Les Parachutistes, we're representing the wartime SAS, and one of the famous ones is Padre Flaes McCluskey of the SAS, mm, you know, mm. the parachuting padre, yeah, yeah. you know, there's there's stories about things he did in France, we don't know if they're true or not, but again, in a day, he was still operating behind the lines with the SAS, Taking the same risks, you know, we still had Hitler's commando order. If he'd have been captured, he was still proudly wearing his SES wings on his Denison smock. So, you know, that's the thing to take consideration. But, Paul, what, what do you think, what is your opinion, or what do you think the Church's opinion would be, of people actually recreating religious unit padres but not Mm. actually being Mm. of the cloth it's it's a really
1: it's a really interesting
0: question this because
1: i think it comes to that line about what is what is recreation what is acting if you like Mm. and what is what is happening at that at that moment so for instance you you can imagine um somebody perhaps recreating a field service from, from my point of view that there's an element of that 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 is that, that that is reenaction that you know that you you're looking at it and you're, you're imagining that that picture but if the person doing the reenacting isn't frankly doing a very good job of being a, a chaplain and finding something to say I don't know it perhaps becomes it, it's it's a it's a difficult one isn't it we, I, I know we've been um we, we've been talking and thinking about um uh, doing um uh, quite a large event at shopton um, and and uh, and the potential there, um, we, we're still early days yet, but potentially I, I may well, I may be acting, <laughs> you know, being a living historian myself um, uh, uh, as a Second World War padre. And I've been giving this quite a bit of thought because actually there's a sense in which... There's a ministry there, a ministry today to be ministering to and among those uh, living historians because they're they're a group. They you know th- these are people that know each other, that get on with each other, that see each other from event to event. You know there's a community there, so actually there's a ministry there to just get among among those people and walk alongside them today, as well as portraying. How a battalion padre or an area padre would have would have acted in the Second World War, you know. And if you were looking at saying a, a, a service there, well, I I think what you would be doing, you'd be looking at saying, this is, you're seeing what a service would have looked like for a, a, a gathered group. But when it came to the message, I think that it would be as much about what those people would have heard 60 70 80 years ago as actually the importance of being community and being there for one another today as living historians so i think simply just dressing as a padre and sort of going through the motions in in, in a sense I, i mean completely legitimate from a living history point of view because it's important that padres are represented there but i think there's perhaps missing a trick because there's 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 community and and, and you know it. Yeah. There's there, there's you, you see those you see those people from different groups from 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 event to event and you get to know each other and and you share each other's you know joys and you know, joys and woes
0: you know. <laughs> More, yes, yes. We share many experiences. Those of you who know Pete Neal know that he's a man <laughs> of many experiences and uh, many emotions and how they put across <laughs> to the to various people if you shared a tent with him especially. But no, I think yeah, it's it's, it's really important. I think as it's, 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 if you represent any unit within living history, you know if you're donning the, the cap badge of the, the Army, Army Chaplain's Department, make sure you're actually doing your research and doing mm. how you're representing. Even if you speak to your local your local vicar padre, you know, how would you conduct a service if you're doing it? Do it properly. I know Dom; uh, he's actually doing a lot of work at the moment about the English Civil War, and obviously that's a great term mm. or point mm. for the church. Mm. Um, but he's looking at. The, I think I think it's called a rattler or a rantler. They weren't men of the cloth, but they used to do a lot of preaching in front of units. You know, they talk about the church and stuff out. Like so it's, it's again, it's mm. depending on what area you're doing. There's a lot of scope Ab- in this. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And I think it's interesting what you're saying about often chaplain reenactors being the, the, the sort of older older members of the group, if you like. Um, and, and it is important to, uh, to remember that uh, the Royal Army Chaplains Department did have um, a real wide age group so it's a question of thinking about well at my age who would I be ministering among mm who would I what sort of unit would I be would would I be assigned to now you're quite right they were uh, they were parachuting parsons that sort of parachuting chaplain um w- was a new invention but they they went through they, they went to all, the all, the, all the same training yeah. yep yeah absolutely and they were and indeed there were several um taken prisoner uh, several killed at Arnhem they they were doing just the same stuff as the blokes but weren't armed mm-hmm. of course so you well, know
0: so the jewish I think it was, it was a jewish yeah, they parachuted were, into Arnhem as well
1: there, there was and um, particularly in Italy there was um uh, the, there a number of Jewish um, Jewish rabbis I- I- in a, Italy yeah. were in in divisions. You, you would you would look at a division and you would say, "Well, what's the makeup? Are they mostly Scottish soldiers?" Well, we'll need mostly Church of Scotland and Roman Catholic padres Then there were London divisions that had significant number of Jewish, uh, not necessarily Jewish units, but. Uh, plenty of units with Jewish uh, men in that would need that, that would need that spiritual, uh, spiritual support. So often, often those sort of uh, Jewish, maybe nonconformist, sometimes Roman Catholic Padres were at sort of divisional brigade level. um, Whereas unless it was, an Irish regiment or a, um, or a Scottish regiment, their battalion padres are often Church of England um, um, padres. But frankly, because they were the most numerous, I've got a group in my collection to, uh, to a chap. I particularly bought the medal because, group of medals because he served in Malaya. And so there's a general service medal, um, Malaya, and that's named to him. But he uh, has got an Africa and Italy star as well, he served with with artillery units. When I came to do a little bit more research, I found in, in a newspaper he was, he was he married an Australian woman, and he'd um, he'd actually been ordained out in Australia for very complicated family reasons. He probably wouldn't have been. It, 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 his his father was, I think, what we would call it was a bounder, and uh, um, spent all the money, beat his beat his mother really nasty mm. nasty story growing up, and and in the end was ended up in Winchester prison. Now he he took his stepfather's name but i think because of that all that he wouldn't he probably wouldn't have been put forward for ordination training here in the uk so he went to australia he married an australian woman and and for their honeymoon they came over to the uk for a for a year um, unfortunately they chose 1939 as the oh, year they came over indeed indeed <laughs> so of course he stayed and volunteered he, he was he was working in a church over here a bit bit like a gap year you know you go yeah, for yeah. years so he was doing a gap year as a, as a curate in portsmouth he volunteered and uh, uh, and was attached to um, for quite some time to the 43rd wessex division well, they seem to have been working a, a little bit with combined operations from a training point of view. And I picked up a letter that that his wife had written to her parents back in Australia, which it said that they were all really pleased at the progress that he was making because he'd been wounded whilst going over to Dieppe on the famous Dieppe raid. Oh, blimey. And He certainly was not, he wasn't attached to the commandos, but the fifth Wiltshire's that he was, they had been doing some training with. And the only thing I can really think is that they were were certainly a chaplain down because there was a chaplain who was attached to the commandos who had been sent off on a course and came back to find that the the raiders had gone.
0: Yeah. I think think we've we've looked into that before, didn't we? We have.
1: It was very annoying for him, but it makes me wonder whether they said, oh, Padre, do you want to... Do you want to ride over I'm to <laughs> Um His ship came under heavy fire. It was sunk. He was in the water for quite some time. He got burnt. He managed to um, save the life of a, of another um, chap in the water. And eventually they were picked up and got back to, back to UK. They just happened to meet a German patrol boat coming the other way who opened fire on them. Completely, complete fluke. There's plenty more work I need to do mm. on that. But from a, a medal group that I bought because I thought, oh, well, it's a, it's an example of Malaya and some Second World War medals as well, potentially a chaplain who was on the Dieppe raid.
0: I think it's amazing really how, regardless of what the action was, you're always going to find a padre there, mm. so I think, yeah, regardless of his not doing, we concentrate heavily on this podcast, mainly on the army padres. But if you've got always got the RAF, mm, of course, and the navy as well. Yep, yep. So whatever action there was during the Second World War, I know we might struggle to find information on it, but you'll always find a, a padre there. But Paul, thank you so oh, much for today. Welcome. It's been be absolutely great. fantastic. And if you're still listening, please ensure that you also sign up to our museum. Because those of you who know, I also (laughs) am assistant, one of my many hats, I'm also (laughs) the assistant curator at the Herefordshire Regimental Museum. And we also run a podcast called Just a Walk in the Sun. So please, please subscribe to that podcast and give it a listen. If you love your history and love your military history, there's loads of episodes you can join in and listen. But also remember as well there's other ways to support the channel. There's not just the podcast, we've also got YouTube, we've also got a Discord server, we've also got we're also on Twitter and Instagram and the famous TikTok. If you want to see some catering videos, go and see Pete Neal's catering videos <laughs> on The Ways to Feed the Army, Let's Get to the Kitchen. But Paul, again, thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome. It's been a great pleasure, Danny. Remember everyone, keep history alive. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.